Kia ora whanau. Welcome to the Pocket Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Headley. Today's focus is going to be attachment and attachment theory. They're actually two separate things. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Now, this podcast is a sharing of my own experiences with anxiety, depression, and the overcoming of that. I'm sharing a lot around my story in terms of how I've done that and the steps that I took and you know some experiences that you may or may not relate with and also a lot of the learnings and teachings that I've learned along the way that I'm still learning along the way that are either scientific in nature because I'm a huge geek around the scientific aspects of understanding the brain and nervous system and then also as well the spiritual learnings so the mindfulness meditation learnings that I've gained as well along the way from people such as monks and just people that are, you know, on that same journey as well and learning from them. So anyway, let's delve right into it. Attachment, what is it first? And then we'll get into the theory of it. Attachment is the clinging or needing of something outside of myself that if I do not get it, I will suffer, right? If it were to just really boil it down to a very simple statement, if I feel I need it and if I feel that I will suffer without it, that is attachment. That is an inherent need. Right? If we were to look at it more neurobiologically, it'll be the surging of dopamine and the dying out of dopamine if I do not get it. So the surging of dopamine of the chasing of it and the dying out of dopamine if I do not get it. And we'll go more into the neurobiology of it in terms of why this happens uh, because the suppression of dopamine is pain. It's a inherently painful experience. And the, well, as you know, raise in dopamine is more of a pleasurable experience. And they work quite closely together, actually. The pain and pleasure systems work together, and it's what we call the dopamine system. And this has a lot to do with attachment itself by its nature. Now, attachment theory is something that I do have it here, was founded by Mary Ainsworth, who's a psychologist, and the psychiatrist John Balby. I believe it was 1991, if I recall correctly. And their initial theory was that there are three main attachments when it comes to love. And this can apply to various other aspects of attachment in everyday life and other areas of life. And these three main, area, these three main attachments were secure, anxious, and avoidance. Secure being, you know, I don't really feel pulled one way or the other. Anxious being a clingingness to someone and avoidant being needing to have distance from someone. So if there was, say, like a neediness of something, the anxious would cling, the avoidant would put walls up to try and not get hurt, right? And then the secure would sort of be somewhere in between where they feel, well, secure, right? And this theory has been built upon many times over by, you know, various other psychologists and psychiatrists that have, you know, brought a beautiful amount of wisdom to this field of exploration around attachment but there's also a whole nother world which is of course the spiritual community if you want to call it that i prefer to just call it mindfulness and <laughs> it's, it's a little bit more of a tasteful word for a lot of people because there's so much taboo around that sort of word spiritual and people get it sort of twisted and yeah anyway mindfulness uh, and then there's also something that I feel works really hand in hand with both of those as well which is the neurobiology of it all so attachments affected me quite largely in my own life. In all honesty, I used to be a very anxiously attached person. And whether it was love, whether it was with money, 
whether it was with the need and craving of the acknowledgement and respect of, you know, my parents, the rest of my family, the extended family, my friends, all right, and even the people that weren't my friends in high school, all right, it's like, I felt like this need of wanting to be seen, wanting to be seen as a sort of like more worthy and respectable person, so I was attached to that, and I suffered anything outside of that, which was whenever I wasn't seen as this sort of respectable person, and I would feel completely embarrassed and ashamed of who I was compared to who I felt I needed to be in order to get the respect of my peers, in order to feel worthy. So it was this, you know, massive, if you want to call it, discrepancy between how I felt I needed to be in order to be worthy compared to where I felt I was. And I was validating that through other people's opinions. So that was an attachment that I had through school, high school, through university, aka college, as you'd call it over in the States. And even into my work life outside of that as well. And it was only really, I'd say, in the last three and a half years that it's really started to shift where that need for external validation, the attachment to that has been really shifting in my life to the point where I don't really even think about it anymore. It's so freeing. You know, it used to be always on my mind. Now, that was one aspect of attachment that really caused a lot of suffering and low self-worth and self-esteem and therefore depressiveness and depression. I was actually diagnosed with depression in my life major depression if you want to know not bipolar because it's two main medical fields of depression anyway putting that aside then another big area of attachment in my life was also love right now as i mentioned i was very anxiously attached when it came to pretty much anything but especially love and where this played out for me was or how this played out for me was i constantly felt this like i'll actually tell you a story this is probably the easiest way to share it the point where i was experiencing the biggest bout of anxiety in my entire life was a point in 2018. It was the end of 2018. I just moved to Quebec City or Quebec, Quebec. Um, and Quebec City is predominantly French speaking. In fact, there's very little English, <laughs> very little English compared to what I actually expected because I, I, I thought, okay, Canada. Yeah, I know, I know I've got Canadian friends, they speak English. Like it, it didn't really occur to me that there'll be a French-speaking region. Now, Quebec, of course, is a state, but then you've also got the Quebec City aspect of, like, like part of that entire state. And that is more French-speaking than, say, a place like Montreal, which is also in Quebec. Because in Montreal, you find much more English. So, <laughs> you know, I was just, I just threw myself in there. Long story in terms of how I got there, so I won't go there. But I was basically going there because I just happened to know these two people I'd met maybe two or three months ago, and two months, one month ago maybe even before that. And they offered me a, a place to stay while I tried to sort a US visa. So that's a short story. Now, I was there, and all of a sudden, I was hearing a lot of French. I arrived at customs and, you know, bonjour, monsieur. I'm like, huh? <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? And in short, the US visa thing took a turn and I ended up being there for six months. I was meant to be there for like two weeks. <laughs> yep. So didn't quite go as planned. I ended up finding a girlfriend while I was there as well. Honestly, I must say uh, one of the most amazing humans, sweetest human, and it you know just didn't work out. We just weren't a match. Put it this way, because there was... I was coming from a place at that time in my life where I was experiencing a lot of loneliness. I'd just been in California where I'd been actually smoking weed, drinking alcohol. I think at the time I was still, I was still sort of 
watching a little bit of porn and I was finding comforts in short-term relationships and sex. And, you know, these were all the things that I was finding, seeking pleasure through because I was living in a low state of dopamine. And by living in a low state of dopamine, I was naturally seeking spikes in dopamine through these pleasurable experiences, right? Now, because I didn't have any of that when I went to Quebec, and I was actually faced with being alone more than I could handle because I couldn't just go and speak to someone at a cafe or go make a friend on the street because I couldn't speak my language. <laughs> I was thrown really into the deep ends of facing that deep loneliness that resided within that I hadn't yet faced through my life. So there I was, I was lucky enough to find a girl that I really connected with at the time and, you know, became good friends. And then we developed romantically as well, even though her English wasn't perfect it was it was there it was just obviously difficult to communicate around more experienced language topics such as emotions and things like that so there was limitations there and that left me experiencing a feeling of neglect around those aspects as I was sort of as I was, I was falling in love and becoming very attached to this person and as I was going through that experience because I was in a place where I was reliant on this person for so much support because I didn't know how to support myself emotionally and mentally, there was such a strong amount of attachment that was formed. So the anxiety I experienced in my life was heightened. I felt more just as depressed actually as I had in my previous lowest point, but this was for a different reason. And I was a lot more capable at the time, but still I experienced that low, which is the interesting thing. But it was because of the severity of the lack that I'd actually, I'd completely not addressed those aspects of myself. Now, during the six months, I experienced panic attacks. I, I would cry. I would, I would pray. I would go through all sorts of challenging experiences. And one attachment that really shone through for me within this relationship was an attachment to feeling like I needed her to give me more attention at all times. And I was noticing this come through out of, of course, a place where incredibly unworthy. In this place where I felt unworthy, I was seeking that validation through her to the extent where it was completely unfair for the amount of validation I was seeking through from her. And every time I would see her speak in French to her guy friends, I would feel, and then I'd see her laughing, I'd feel like, oh man, like, She's giving me more attention to these guys than me. She's going to leave me for them. I'm not good enough, right? All these things would go through my mind and I'd experience an immense amount of anxiety and jealousy. So there was that attachment formed. Now, during this time, of course, happen is I'd experience high levels of dopamine around like the fantasy of what I would want with us in terms of like the ideal situation where she wouldn't like, you know, interact with these guys in the beautiful way that she was and that she'd just give me that sort of attention. So it was a very toxic place I was in and I didn't even realize what was going on. And then of course, every time that didn't happen, right, I'd get a suppression of dopamine, which is the pain, the sting, the suffering that I would experience, which would lead to lack, a huge lack of motivation, um, a huge experience of unworthiness, right? A massive feeling of depressiveness. So the a depression, because that's all symptoms from a low dopaminergic state, which was occurring based on the fact that the dopamine was being suppressed from the fact that I was had this expectation and reality didn't meet that. So this is how that sort of pain pleasure system operates in that. There's a very interesting understanding that with the pain pleasure system, I may or may not have talked about this in a previous episode, but the way it works is when you're watching a YouTube video, you're experiencing 
higher levels of dopamine because it's a pleasurable thing to do. Then the moment that it starts coming to an end, like a YouTube video or an episode that you're watching, you'll experience a suppression of that dopamine in anticipation for the ending of that pleasurable experience. So that's how pain and pleasure works together. And then all of a sudden your brain will produce more dopamine seeking another episode or another YouTube video so that you can actually quell that pain experience of the suppression of dopamine from the ending of that, right? So that's why dopamine is the molecule of more is what it's often dubbed as because it's dopamine seeking always more dopamine. And that's why when I'm scrolling, right, I'm experiencing dopamine when I'm scrolling because I'm anticipating the next thing I'm going to see, right, through Instagram or TikTok or whatever you're looking through. And there's the suppression of dopamine the moment I think about putting my phone down. So then all of a sudden to quell that suppression of dopamine, my brain produces more dopamine to seek more of that thing that I'm doing. So then I'll be like, oh, okay, I was just down here for a little bit longer. One more video, one more like, you know, one more story or whatever it is, one more post. And then we'll keep going. And that's how we get addicted. That's actually addiction. So attachment is actually addiction, just another way of presenting it in a more, in a different sense, because we use it in a different social format. So this was, of course, happening to me. Now, in the next episode that I do, I'll share a little bit more around how this story started to change for me and how this was a big turning point in my life where I started to create a massive shift and not only the way I experienced attachment, but also I learned how to become much less attached. And I learned over time how to deal with the pain that came from the triggers of those attachments when I had faced them in life. I'll share a lot more around that. But what I would like to touch on before we end this particular episode, because I really just wanted to touch on the understanding of attachment this episode, and then we'll get more into practical steps that I've done that have served me, uh, that I do with my clients as well, that will hopefully serve you. Understanding a lesson, it was the most predominant lesson that I learned with, around attachment. This was just me fast forwarding, you know, um, maybe another three years, two years. And I went to a Vipassana. A Vipassana is a meditation retreat, which is 100 plus hours of meditation. You're not allowed to look at anyone in the eye. You're completely silent. You're not allowed to speak to anyone. You're, you're not allowed to read a book. You're not allowed to write nothing. You're just purely on your head. You're living in this like freaking must be like a six or seven foot cell, very small, it's literally called a cell. You've got a single bed, not much space. You spend most of your time in that and also you spend time in the meditation hall and in the dining room. And that's where you sort of spend most of your time and a little bit of time outside as well, walking around the grounds and most of your time meditating and then of course sleeping. <laughs> and during this time, you learn these lessons from the teacher S.N. Goenka. Now, Essen Goenka is just presenting the teachings of Gautama Siddhartha, the Buddha. So he was the most famous Buddha. Buddha is just a term that's used to indicate someone that has transcended the mind, because Buddha means above the mind. In other words, they're a liberated being, right? Someone that has learned how to come to a place where they don't, they are no longer a slave to their mind, right? Which is Buddha. Buddha means below the mind. And that's, you know, who I am. <laughs> I'm definitely below the mind. The mind gets me, man. I'm definitely not liberated. So, you know, if you're listening to this and, you know, you relate to the things that I've shared, then, you know, um, we're on this journey together. And as he was sharing something in particular, he was talking about craving and aversion and how when I'm attached, I am going to crave the thing that I'm attached to. So I'm just going to, for those that are actually watching this video, you'll be able to see me holding my necklace. So I'm going to pull my necklace towards me. I'm craving this. Now, the more I crave it and pull it towards me and the more I'm attached, 
And the moment that it moves away from me for any reason, the more, if you think the necklace, if I imagine me letting go of this necklace now, it's going to swing away from me. Well, the more I've pulled it towards me, the further it's going to swing away from me. So the more I suffer it when it goes away from me. Now, the antagonist to attachment, or it's really still attachment at its essence, but the antagonist to craving, I should say, is aversion. So if I'm attached to the opposite of something, let's just say I'm, again, I'll use my example where I was attached to my girlfriend at the time needing to be a certain way with other guys. I was in aversion to her being with those guys in that way. So I'd avert it, right? And I'd be really crippled by it and I'd suffer it. And the more I really tried to reject the reality of it, right? The more I averted it, the more I suffered when it would occur, right? Because again, imagine I push the necklace away from me and I let it go, the more it's going to swing towards me. So the more I suffer when it comes towards me. So that's sort of the dynamics around how this attachment aspect works. And of course, the ideal is to find somewhere in the middle where I can find a sense of internal stability. In other words, stillness. That's where the aspect of stillness comes from. I don't get swayed by the tendencies of the mind. So we're going to talk a lot more about that in the next episode and the learnings that I've gained through exactly what I've shared in a deeper way. And we'll go a lot more into the, well, the nicer side of that story in terms of, you know, what, how I've come out the other side of that and what I've learned. Anyway, I'll see you next time. And well, hopefully you've taken away something from this episode. If you have any insights or whatnot, it would do me an absolute solid. If you could either share it or leave a review or rating, that'll be the most amazing thing. Thank you so much. See you next time.